Hello, Lieutenant Governor Julianne Good morning. How are, how are you? I'm good. It's so good to talk to you. Yes, it's been far too long. I think that when you said you, we haven't talked since I've become lieutenant governor, we talked when I was a state representative. That's right. That's and right. it reminded me of how long it's been. So I'm so glad to join you today. So tell me, how, how, do, you, how do you like being lieutenant governor? Well, I love <laughs> serving, and I'm honored to serve the people of the state of Illinois, all close to 13 million of them. Um, and I'm certainly honored to serve alongside of such a courageous leader as Governor J.B. Pritzker, who uh, neither one of us and no one really ever thought that we would be facing now These two issues. real pandemics, including the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as, of course, all of the uh, uh, unrest, civil unrest and fight against racial injustice that has really come to the forefront. So um, it is uh, a joy to serve. I love the portfolio that I have that is primarily focused on justice, equity and opportunity, as well as leading a number of other councils and commissions. Uh, and then, of course, getting into communities all across the state to make sure that the voices of the people are lifted up. Madam Lieutenant Governor, let me just say this. Um, I am so glad to be that I live in Illinois based on how this governor has addressed the COVID-19, has addressed COVID-19. Illinois is head and shoulders above most of these states in this country in how he has handled it, how he has utilized the service. And I can't remember the doctor's name that's, that's, that's head of Dr. Ezekiel. Oh, my Dr. God. Where did she? Where did you all find her? Well, Dr. she's the Doctor Fauci of Illinois. <laughs> yeah, no, Doctor Zike is fantastic. We're grateful for her leadership, but I will say, you know, when I think about all of the the fact that we didn't have leadership from the federal government, and it really fell upon governors to take leadership, and some did so. And others did not. And the results were seen in what happened with the number of cases and how the uh, virus continued to spread. Right. This was a novel coronavirus. And so we didn't have a handbook on what to do. But our state acted swiftly. Governor Pritzker uh, said from the very beginning that we would rely on the science and the data and do what was best to fight this pandemic. Uh, and we were able to get the positivity rate down to by quick his quick leadership and action and that of Dr. Zikes to closer to around two and a half, 2.7 percent. Um, I know that you are aware that all across the state, though, we have and across the country, really, we've started to see spikes in cases and we've seen those numbers go back up. And as always, I'm going to encourage your listeners to please, please prioritize wearing a mask whenever you go out. It's just like wearing a seatbelt. You know, there was a time you didn't have to wear a seatbelt, right. but we kept reemphasizing that people wear their seatbelt. And the way that it works is that if you have your seatbelt on, you're going to be protected. It's the same way with your mask. It doesn't work unless you wear it. You know how I end my show every day? I say, you do not have a right to kill me. Put mm. on your mask. I say that. Thank every, you. I say that every day. And I, we're not going to talk about cannabis today, but I just wanted our audience to know that that has not eluded me because um, the lieutenant governor is going to come back on and we're going to deal with just 
the cannabis issue, and it took yeah. it's going to take more time to deal with it. So I didn't want to just you know do a spot and dot today, but we are going to talk about this um, in the very new, near future. Uh, future. I look. For- I look forward to it. There's some great things that are happening, and I look forward to coming back and talking about it. All right. And this is the other thing. I don't want to run out of time. (laughs) Lieutenant Governor Stratton, real quick, do you drive up and down the Dan Ryan Expressway and the Eisenhower Expressway? I do. Do you realize how how filthy it is? Well, listen, uh, Perry, I heard your... Uh, listeners earlier this morning and some of the calls that came in uh, because I know that it's important to hear from people in whichever way it happens and right now due to COVID I'm getting out to communities but a lot is done virtually as you know so I have to listen to the people and the the listeners at WVON are certainly the people who have a voice and are engaged so we made a call to IDOT this morning after hearing what we heard this morning, I want everyone to know that um, there are there were certainly a number of things that because of COVID-19, a lot of modified schedules had to be in place. People who work for IDOT are essential workers, just like we talk about the essential workers who have had to be on the front lines during this pandemic. People, the workers from IDOT are on the front lines. Many of them are black and brown. And as you know, um, we had to kind of um, modify some of the schedules because of Lieutenant uh, Governor. The way- it, that that that's not going to fly with the listeners. Yep. I'm just no, going to no, no. tell so you what, because I, because Thirty Fifth Street and yep. uh, every place else looks great. So no, I, I got you. Okay. Listen, this is not. I'm not saying it as an excuse. What I'm saying is is that I hope that your listeners know that just like everything else, there were some things that were put on the back burner so that we could focus on some of the things right when the pandemic was open. Okay. So here's what I wanted, want you all to know. Okay, please. That uh, we have done last week, just last week, the I-290 expressway corridor was cleaned along the west side of Chicago where over 100 truckloads of debris were hauled away. Uh, we know that litter is a problem on the expressway, so I'm encouraging everyone, please just put some trash bags in your car, hold it to where you get where you're going. Don't just toss it out the window. And then on the 95th Street intersection at Stony Island. Uh, That's going to be rebuilt. There's $81 million for that project, and it's going to begin before the end of this year. And that's going to really uh, rebuild railroad uh, bridges. It's going to widen the intersection. We also have improvements that are coming in terms of landscaping, painting, and other improvements, $35 million on the Jane Byrne leading to the 290 West Side Corridor. So the work of IDOT is happening, but I want you to know and your listeners to know that I heard what you said today, what what they said, and I made a call to IDOT. They are on the move. They're doing work, and things are getting back to regular schedules. But I hope they will understand that, um, again, not as an excuse, but just like every other industry, there are some things that had to be shuffled around. We are on it. We've let them know, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to see those improvements. See, that's, the power of this microphone is just incredible. I just love it. And, so, and the power of people, <laughs> and the power of people recognizing yes. that that's how you engage with your elected officials. You speak up. If they call in and talk to you and say, this is what's going on then in my I'll community. Then I'll talk to you guys. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. That's it. that's it. Talking to Lieutenant Governor Stratton, we don't have a lot of time. And um, I'm going to try to convince the lieutenant governor to come back on the on Perry Small Show. 
at least once a month because there is so much that we need to talk about. So one of the things that I was talking to Yo about yesterday was the um, TP Juvenile Justice, This the, what is happening with juvenile justice. That has been a big um, conversation on the Midday Show. What is going on? What, what transform, uh, transformational things are going on in terms of that? Perry, we have, uh, there are about, black children make up about 15% of Illinois' youth population, but they are 70%, 70% of the juvenile jail population. And we know that this is based, yeah, it's based in systemic racism, which everyone around the globe is having a conversation about and fighting for racial justice. So uh, the Governor Pritzker and I, along with lots of uh, advocates who have been pushing for juvenile justice reform. We announced just in recent weeks that we are going to transform our juvenile justice system. We're going to move away from these large, cold, uh, prison-like facilities for our children, and That's we're right. going to bring our children closer to home in more therapeutic, dorm-like facilities. You know, there's a young person who said to me, you all always ask us, what do we do? But you never ask us, what do we need? And so many of these young people have experienced trauma. They live in, um, you know, in, in situations violence. that are often very difficult, violence yes. and all of that. So we need to give them mental health supports. We need to give them resources. And they need to be closer to their communities and to their families That's where right. they can get the love and support that they need. So we're going to work on that. And over the next four years, it will totally transform our state's juvenile justice system. And, I'm and very that's proud pretty groundbreaking, work. isn't it? It, it, this this might be the first state to do this, right? We've had other states that have worked on it, uh, Missouri, D.C., uh, and I think there's one other. But this is the first time in Illinois that we will see this level of focus and uh, this kind of investment that we want to make in our communities as well. Because you can't bring people back to the community and then not have something for them when they get there. You know, you just spoke about trauma. And this is something that I talk about all the time and the violence. And I was just wondering, um, Madam Lieutenant Governor, if you were aware of these two executive orders that Pastor Anthony Williams and me and so many other people support about um, officially saying that violence is, is violence is a health crisis in the state of Illinois and then another executive that would would fund helping these people. Are you aware of these executive orders and do you think that there, that this is something that we can get out of committee because a resolution had been passed as you know as a former lawmaker um if do you do you think that we need to just acknowledge the fact that this violence is a pandemic just like COVID-19, and that if we acknowledge it as a public health crisis, the funding and what needs to address it will stop some of this. Well, uh, first of all, I'm not familiar with the specific executive orders that you're mentioning, but I certainly look forward to someone sending them to me for my review. Okay. What I will say is that we know that uh, violence And what we're seeing with community violence, it is, in fact, a public health crisis. And the governor and I have been working hard to make sure, along with members of the Illinois Legislative uh, Black Caucus, who have uh, done a tremendous job of setting forth an agenda around what kinds of things need to happen to address violence. 
We also are doing so, uh, and I know I'll come back and talk about the work that we're doing with our Restore, Reinvest, and Renew Board, which is investing millions of dollars every single year into the communities that have suffered decades of disinvestment. And that's something that we are doing right now because we do recognize that Safety and justice is never going to be just about policing jails and prisons. It's going to be about investing in communities, mental health services, health care, food, access to nutritious food, job opportunity, and, and, and job opportunities and small business support. So these are all things that create healthy communities, and we have to address it as such. You know, your father marched in Selma, and we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of women getting the right to vote, even though black women uh, were not given the right. What do you think he would say about you as the, as the state's first lieutenant governor? Well, my father, fortunately, is still around. Good for you. And he's still walking two miles every single day. Uh, And he talks about what it was like, especially in the passing of the late uh, John Lewis recently, Mm -hmm. as well as, of course, the 100th uh, uh, anniversary of the 19th Amendment and how black women weren't a part of it. And we needed women like Ida B. Wells to continue to fight for us to have a right to, to make our voices heard through our vote. You know, this is we're we're coming up on election time, and I'm just asking, as as my father has said, it's important to be counted. That's why he marched alongside John Lewis and Dr. Martin Luther King. We have to be counted. This is this is such a time, and it's not just voting. I want to say the uh, Perry, the census. Yes. It is, as you know, this president has cut the time for the census response. We're now in September, and September 30th is the last That's day. Right. We need to make sure we get counted. This is resources and it is representation. 